Hello, my name is Robert J. Rosenthal. I'm the managing editor at the San Francisco Chronicle, and you are listening to a podcast from the San Francisco Chronicle. Welcome to the second part of our TV Talk Machine podcast on The Sopranos. I'm joined today by two television critics and friends, Dave Walker of the New Orleans Times-Picayune and Bill Goodykunst, outgoing TV critic at the Arizona Republic. Today, we will talk about their impressions of the first two episodes of The Sopranos and what direction, in general, the series is going to go, particularly Tony's fate. There are no major spoilers revealed in this second part. And you guys have both seen the first two episodes. Uh, Dave, your impression uh, of the first two? Uh, I think they play really well together, and only because they're so different in tone, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a sucker punch set up. You know, they've done this before on that show, and I really love it. And, uh, you know, the first episode stands alone on its own, and I love it, but uh, they seem to play really well together to me. Mm -hmm. Bill? I thought so, too. I thought that they were both, they're both really good, but, you know, they could have aired at any time during the season. Maybe that holds true to, to, to Chase's intent that this really was one season broken up into two parts. But, I mean, th- there's nothing about it that made this the first one back. You know what I mean? Right. Now, did the you first, guys... The first, the first episode doesn't really move anything along at all. Mm-hmm. If, not to spoil anything for anybody, but it, it's... Um, there's just that one part where Uncle Junior gets his head cut off. So <laughs> and then Tony dies. But other than that... Well, did you guys sense in this fir- in this first two? I mean, I think there's going to be a disconnect here with some viewers in that, you know, I loved the first two, but I think it's also gonna. It's not so much bogged down as the. I don't think it's bogged down at all. But it's certainly not bogged down like the gay veto storyline kind of got people ang- anxious. Not so much for the content so much as it was like, hey, the clock's ticking. We only have so many left. You know, there's nine. These are the first two. Do you think? Uh, I guess we'll start with Dave. Do you think that that's gonna create a little anxiety like well let's move things along let's 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 get a wrap up or do you think people really know that there's not going to be a clean clean ending on this i'm not sure and i like that Mm -hmm. i like that i'm not sure i like the fact that chase has continually confounded expectations i'm in no hurry and i don't care if things have momentum at this point i'm at the stage of with this show where i'm i'm really enjoying every minute and I think I wrote in my preview of the first two episodes, at this point, I don't care if it gets wrapped up neatly or not. I don't mm-hmm. care if he dies. I don't care if he moves to Scottsdale. Um, you know, I, it's... I, I'd hate that because then I'd have to write a story. <laughs> Local angle. I, I think for the last season and a half, and, and I like this, it's going to sound like, like a flaw or something, but, but I like it. I can't watch that show without getting a stomachache, <laughs> without like, like some sense of dread, like, you know, what's going to happen. And I found, you know, I don't think it's giving anything away in the first episode to say that Tony goes on like a little sort of mini vacation. Mm -hmm. But you can't watch Tony Soprano go on a vacation without wondering what's going to happen and and, and kind of worrying about it. I can't look at him on the screen now. He can't do anything now. He can't even go get the paper. He can't even look out a window without like creeping around and and, and sort of looking for something bad at every turn. But I, I like that. But I don't know. I don't know if everybody does. But I don't think you can help. I think that was one of the problems people had with the first half of this last season, which is they know that it's coming to an end, and, right. and they were looking for big things and things to get set in motion. Now, the, again, without giving anything away, there's some stuff that happens in the second episode that may sort of move things along or may not. You, you never know. And again, like Dave, I mean, I kind of like that. Well, you guys, if I will just throw this in there that, that uh, you're off the hook for any kind of spoilers because uh, Matt and Peter have already taken care of that for you. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, well, they didn't ruin a whole bunch of things. I think they did talk openly about the uh, Monopoly fight. So 
you can breathe a little easier that there's this, uh, you know, this well, be- beautiful fight there. But that's a good example. I mean, didn't you have kind of a sense of dread while you were watching that? I mean, weren't you just waiting? I, I had a sense of dread, th- and, and this, I, this has happened from, from the first 12. I had a sense of dread the whole episode. It's, and both episodes that I watched, I kept feeling like there was this ominous, like, you know, even when he was driving in, in the car, when he would... When he would uh, uh, you'd look through a window. This is the same thing that happened with Christopher earlier in the first 12, where, where I thought for sure Christopher was going to be killed. They kept shooting him outside this window when he was in a, in a restaurant. And then from the inside, I kept thinking, a bullet is going to come through this window and just take him out. And I always thought this violent thing would happen. And, and I kind of get like, I was getting kind of agitated about the, the first two. That I think there is this underlying sense of of dread. Dave, Dave did you see, sense any of that? Or? I, I do. And uh, in the first episode, it's caused for me, completely by the presence of Janice, uh, <laughs> right. who, who is, is one of the all-time great TV irritants. Yes. And, and there is no word that can be exchanged between Janice and Tony that doesn't immediately escalate <laughs> into the most, you know, the most poisoned conversation. And it's true. Anything. It's like, do you want something to eat? Becomes like... <laughs> right. That she makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, I've, I've always thought that that's what a, a, a TCA board meeting must be like. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, she is. I think makes people uncomfortable and that they don't like her. But I think that's just that's a great part and that's great acting because she's just so repellent in in everything that she does. I and mean, if you go back to her history, everything that she's tried to pull off, you know, she's just she's a chameleon and she's a little she's a little devilish. I love also without giving anything more away. I, I like her the little revisionist history that she has. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that sort of reveals itself in the first episode. I also like that um, Carmela finally calls her on her, her you know, running, the ma- running her mouth off and stuff. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we actually talked about that a little earlier with Matt and Peter, and uh, just at the end of their little segment is that, I don't know how about, how you guys feel about this or, 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 or where you think Carmela's place is going to be when this is all said and done. Uh, you, know, I've always, you know, I've talked before, like, you know, if there is a transition, she might be a dark horse transition. I don't know now whether there's going to be a transition. I don't know now what's going to happen to Tony, and I'll ask you guys in a second. But this thing with Carmela, just just as far as her being you know, married to Tony, I don't think I've ever seen them as close as they are now. They're almost like on the same page, which is kind of scary. Yeah, and it's, uh, it is, that's a little off-putting. I think I can't imagine just based on how the widows and exes for all the different characters have been treated over all the different seasons. That would be set so out of left field, I think, for her to um, end up well. But, but I think she did, after he was shot in this last batch, she started to, I mean, she certainly didn't, like, fill in and run the family or anything, but when she felt like she was maybe going to get shorted some money, you know, and that's what she When the started, package was light, she was she knew it. She knew it. She didn't, but she didn't just know it. She did something about it, you yeah. know. And, and before she would, you know, oh, I, I can't be bothered with that. You just buy me a car with it, you know. Right. But, but But in that case, she sort of, whether it was necessity or what, but she, she did something about it. Yeah, I, I think I, that was a, that was a real change for her. Yeah, and if you want to look at her metaphors with with Carmela in the first twelve, I love when she would walk down the walk down the driveway to get the paper. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that was like that was like cementing like what this sort of bizarre world if he was ever to yeah. to drop out. Now, I, I guess uh, I guess the sort of the elephant in the room, the question that has to be asked, and it just it just may be of no importance to either one of you, but if you could both tell me, what, I mean, how do you envisioning this this end in particular? Uh, with Tony, I mean, I mean, you think what? What do you think is going to happen to Tony, and what? Uh, what do you want to happen to him, Dave? Bill first. Bill uh, first. Go, I, Bill. I go back and forth. <laughs> I um, 
part of me thinks that the only way out, the only real way out for a show like this is to kill him mm-hmm. uh, or have him die. He doesn't, you know, maybe, and maybe have him die in some really pedestrian way. You know, like he trips while walking down to get the newspaper, you know, or whatever. He runs over a foot with a lawnmower and bleeds to death because he's fired another gardener and broken his legs. Or something. I, I don't know, something like that. But I, I think any kind of you know federal protection program thing would be kind of a cheat. I don't think that would be very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that one of the things you got to consider though, again with Chase is David Chase is that maybe he just lets him get away with it. I don't know. Maybe not. For seven years now or seven seasons, it seems like we've been sort of building to something that, mm-hmm. that, that you know his life is screwed up in so many ways, and I don't think that people really want it to to resolve itself neatly. But I just I can't imagine. I can't imagine the thing ending and me being happy about it one way or the other, just in part because I don't want it to end. Right. I don't think it's got that kind of trajectory. I've always thought and sort of hoped that Chase opened a window on this world. It was there before we got to stick our heads in, and it'll sort of continue in some slowly diminishing way after we're done with it. And Mm -hmm. so I sort of hope for the thing to end with us just having this multi-year snapshot of this guy's life and the both families and uh, I don't know I I have not um, I have never hoped that he dies in the end mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's got the same trajectory like uh, Vic Mackey does for right. example in the shield which he's just he's on his way to hell right period right. and even though he sort of escapes and gets away every now and then it just seems inevitable he ends up bad but I'm sort of hoping uh, Tony Soprano doesn't open up, doesn't end up that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had actually been on the record many times saying that I was kind of hoping or, or or believe that he would die and that that would be the the sort of way to go out, only because it would close the door to, you know, this idea this idea that there would be movies or right. which I think uh, would spoil it. But but also just because you know uh, Tony you know talks about the odds, he lays it out many times. Eighty percent of the time, these guys like him end up in jail and the other 20 end up dead. So, I mean, maybe Chase won't choose either one of those. And I, and I actually haven't, I think in my own sort of criticism, I haven't really opened myself up to that, that possibility. But I think that is, that is really intriguing. I think that would also be uh, the one ending which would piss off the most amount of viewers. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, if, you just, if it just comes down to, you know, it just another day, well, I think it, it, it would really be audacious as far as the storytelling goes. But you know, people would be grumbling. But 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 do you guys both believe that, I mean, I believe that no one's going to be happy when it ends, but do you believe that, you know, in a year from now, this thing's back up on the mantle as one of the greats? I, I, there's nothing, in my mind, it, it, it's there already. There's nothing's happened that's taken it down. Right, but I'm just saying, you know, if something happens where, you know, something really pedestrian like Tony goes to jail, you know, they, that the sting brings him down and it just... Boom, well, I know I don't think that that'll that'll cheapen anyway because it's sort of like what Dave said. It, it hasn't really been that kind of series from the start. It's not. It, it hasn't necessarily promised that there's going to be a satisfying payoff. It's just mm-hmm. kind of like this this guy's life. And I mean, if that's part of this guy's life, I mean, something might. You know, I hope that it that wouldn't. I would hope that if he does go to jail, they don't just show up at his door and arrest him and go off to jail and that's the end. I mean, I would hope there's a little more to it than that. But right. But I mean, that could happen. Right. I think I think the first five episodes of this show cemented it as one of the best TV shows ever. Mm-hmm. And almost nothing that it could do changed that. And it tried all kinds, I mean, dream sequences and, you know, there was all kinds of zany, almost soap opera things that went on in the show. And it never derailed it in my mind. It was just, it, it's consistently been completely satisfactory. Right. And, and along those lines, and I think it's this is the stuff that we, that we do, uh, 
I think what's what's the most surprising thing about the series to you, or or maybe like the the the, the little pleasure you you might get from this series, where everybody's everybody, you know, I I think that it's not wrong to say that the general population likes when Tony and, and company kill somebody, all these whackings, they, they, they like that. I, I don't think that that plays for a lot of critics as, as the best part of it. Are there elements or are there dramatic elements for things that David Chase and the writers do that is your favorite part of the show or something that you're, you're most surprised about? Uh, for me, it's from the beginning, it's been the central gimmick, and that is this notion of this mobster working on himself in therapy mm-hmm. and how he continually reveals himself to be something that he's not in every other part of his life, which is someone who, you know, desperately wants to be respected and loved and understood. And to me, that's, from the beginning, that's been the most satisfying thing about the show is that they continually reveal this guy to be, and it, you know, he'll he'll have these bouts of total, um, you know, animal rage and cruelty, but at the same time, uh, there's all this uh, interior... Um, construction going on with him that that you just that you, you never see that mm-hmm. in a drama like this mm-hmm. that's funny because when we've all uh, all of us have been in in those sessions with david chase and with with gandolfini where they contend you know we never we are so surprised that anybody likes this guy we never intended for him to be likable we he's this you know this, this psychopathic murderous thug and and he's just an absolute pig, you know, with his appetites and everything. And yet, people seem to like him. And I think I think that's a lie. I mean, I think he's obviously constructed for for people to really sort of like. He's sort of you know the classic antihero. Mm-hmm. He, he definitely is. I mean, I think one of the things too, and you guys sort of touched on this, that that I, there's a lot of elements that run through the Sopranos that I really like. But I, I've always thought that the humor of it is just so underrated. And these first two, did you guys find that these first two episodes were pretty funny? Uh, I laughed out loud so hard at a couple of things, and I would spoil them if I said much more about them, but someone gets hit in the head with a trophy <laughs> in, in the second episode, and I just about passed out. I laughed so hard. And it, to me, that's the, the, you know, that's the magic of the show, is that they can take a left turn into very funny, it's always sort of dark humor, but I... I, I laugh as much at The Sopranos as I do at, as as I do at any comedy. Yeah, I I just you know I don't remember, like I, maybe it's because it was so fresh and it's been gone on it's it's been off for so long and then these first two were so fresh and I was so excited to sit down, but I just thought they were so damn funny, and that you know I it just re, for me it sort of you know reestablished that the malapropism is just one of the great devices that Chase does when no one ever gets the right word. It's so great, and he does it perfectly because it's always when they're trying to impress somebody with how smart they are. <laughs> right. Little Carmine, you know what I mean? Just... Little Carmine. Little, little Carmine, Carmine. Who, who, by the way, has a nice moment in, in, in one of the episodes. Yeah, he does. He does. He, he, and, you know, again, you guys don't have to worry about giving it away. Matt and Peter have already ruined it for everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to pile on. But the, um, the, I'm just um, afraid Bill hasn't watched it yet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, the title sequence is really good this year. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. As you remember, um, yeah, all that, all that A three song. It's just so been so great. No, I, I do think that but when I watch these things, and I think like, um, like you're talking about a couple of the funny things, like the trophy thing, and all. And there's a violent scene in the second episode that is done in kind of a different way, and and then there, there's there's some really great music, particularly the end credits of the second episode. Right. That I think of one of those sessions that we were in where Chase said his feeling was he just wanted to cram as much 
of everything in every episode as he could. Mm-hmm. You know, good food, good music. You know, if there's violence, violence. You know, if there's humor, humor. You know, just just and and that's what it's. I, I feel like, you know, the wires are a great show. Obviously, I think Deadwood is a great show and all that. And I just feel like. The Sopranos has been so good for so long that, that it's kind of actually undervalued now by critics. Like, we, I think we do this thing when it's off for a while that everybody, you know, we think, oh, wow, you know, it's a great show, it was a great show, but look at all these other things that have come along, da da da. And then it comes back, and I'm just thrown right back into this thing of, like, you know what? No, this is the best show. Mm-hmm. This is the sort of all you can eat buffet, you know? I mean, this, this, which may, maybe it's a better thing for me than you guys. I don't know. <laughs> but, but, um, when I get the batch of episodes, you know, you can skip through the, the opening credits and all that stuff and the songs and all that. But I'll, I never let myself do it for the first one when I get a new batch because it just sort of puts you right back in that mood of like, man, I cannot wait for this thing to start. Yeah, it's that music that I think it just it's just visceral. It kicks something up in you. Did you get this sense too that especially in the second episode that, you know, the series as a whole is coming to an end. A lot of these characters are possibly coming to an end. Who knows where it's going to go? But did you get that sense that this was a transition uh, phase amongst the characters' lives, you know, with Tony looking for for somebody to sort of maybe pass it down to the legacies and the and the other bosses and, and and sort of what befalls them. I mean, did you get this sense of just this foreboding look to the future at all? To me, there was just uh, there's an overwhelming sense of entropy about, mm-hmm. and I'm hopefully I'm using that correctly, unlike Little Carmine, but um, right. <laughs> you know, all of the mob guys are old and sick and and reticent about you know stepping up and moving on and um and it, it, to me that that's the pervading thing it's almost not quite ominous it's just more kind of a big sigh mm-hmm. and that's i may be overlaying my own feelings about the end of the show on all that but to me it just seems sort of seems to be it's, it doesn't seem to be crashing it just sort of seems to be slowly falling an end mm-hmm. and and i love i like that pace i just i think it's very it's really realistic right um and i think it's from the beginning you know the uh one of the stories has been the decline of the power and influence of the mob it seems like now it's like almost nobody can do anything right and so that's sort of the feeling about it to me yeah if there is a criticism just listening to you talking there and 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 thinking about some other about watching them the one thing that seems maybe a little not out of character, but but a little sudden, is that everybody all of a sudden concerned about their legacy, hmm. and that's the word that they use all the time. Is you know Tony uses it several times. I'm getting old. What legacy I'm going to leave behind? He he tells somebody that he you know he's he's got some stuff set and trying to set himself up for the future, but he doesn't know if it's going to work. He he tells Carmela he's getting old. He, you know he looks at his his friends who have become either powerless or or dying or mm-hmm. actually die or whatever. And it's natural and it's good, but it just that is the one thing that just seems like when you watch those two together that sort of that, that's a more, a more concentrated feeling this time around. Well, I think that that kicked off the season two when Tony, the first twelve when Tony was shot, and I think there's also you know there's also been that that sense of it, the mob now is not done right. You know, he loves uh, as they say one Godfather one, right. and he just loves you know all the movies on television that sort of get the thing right with the with the lead actor and. And, and the guy leading his troops, he's, he has this glorified version of of all things, not just the mafia. But and I think that that's clearly not going well. And and, that, and again, you know, Dave's point about him being in therapy, which is the ultimate. It's just the great premise and the great conceit of the show. All right. Well, Dave Walker, Bill Goody Coons, thanks for joining us here. And uh, hopefully, we'll talk to you before this uh, this thing's over, before Tony's in the ground or he's, he's in Jersey doing nothing. <laughs> or running a Quiznos in Scotland.
Scottsdale. <laughs> <laughs> running a Quiznos. See now, there's the ultimate ending: running a Quiznos in Scottsdale. Okay, everybody, that's going to be the, that's going to be. <laughs> if we could just, but if we could just pick another city and avoid the local angle, <laughs> right? So that your Bill's not on the hook for writing the continuing story of, of uh, Tony Soprano. All right, you guys, thanks so much for uh, taking some time out. All right, take it easy. Thank you. If by chance you missed the first part of our TV Talk Machine podcast on The Sopranos, go to sfgate.com slash podcast and you'll find it there.